All right. So uh, we are in Second or First Corinthians chapter two, and we're in this chapter. This whole chapter is uh, fabulous. I remember when I when I, I just when the Lord started to open my eyes a little bit uh, to to spiritual life, to spiritual light, to, to wisdom. Uh, this was a chapter, actually the first two chapters, really, of 1 Corinthians were, were chapters I read and read and reread just because I, I, felt, I felt like, like where was this chapter my whole life and how come I didn't... It was just kind of one of those things where I think you just you can read it over and over again. Uh, clearly you can and have no idea what it's talking about until light turns on in your heart. You know, It's like that analogy I always use of the person that's born in a red land, you know, with red, everything's red, different shades of red, and they've only ever seen red, and you can read about blue every day for the, your entire life, but you don't know what it is until blue appears, and when when blue appears, when, when, when wisdom from above, when light from above appears in the heart, um, when the eye, when the inner eye the eye that the outer eye only only testifies of or points to. Uh, when that eye begins to open, then it you you realize you've never seen before, and you don't you don't know that because you don't know that until that eye opens. You can read words with your natural mind. You can read the Bible with your natural mind. It's actually really really a foolish thing to do. I mean, it's it's. It's foolish just to read with the natural mind, at least if you don't have a heart that's longing to see with a different kind of light. Because all of those verses then become ideas and concepts and doctrines in the brain um, that stand in the way of, of true seeing. Um, but but when light begins to dawn in your heart, then, um, well, you realize you've you've... You've understood everything wrongly, and and I and I know that sounds maybe maybe to some of you that sounds like a uh, a pretty bold claim or, or grandiose sweeping you know claim, but it's true. Uh, spirit spiritual reality is we're going to talk about this today a little bit. It's it's known with spiritual senses. There are uh, there are natural senses, and and they're only good for natural things. That's all they can do. And yet, man uses uses those senses and that mind to pry to try to pry into spiritual things. It's kind of like trespassing, but he can't actually get there. He can't actually trespass. All he can do is imagine, and in and in that imagination, form ideas and conclusions and doctrines and creeds and theologies, and the whole thing's just wrong. I mean, it's not it's not even slightly right. It's not even slightly good. It's all a hundred percent wrong because it's it is the wrong mind trying to understand things that are um, that that are not just outside of the reach of that mind, but they're contrary to it, and and very very contrary. I mean, in every conceivable way, contrary to it, and and so. There, there's a whole, uh, you know, Christian. There's a whole Christianity that is based in the wrong mind, and and and, and it it serves the wrong man, and it serves it, it functions from the wrong man and for the wrong man, and and uh, and that's just that's just the way it is. And I, and again, I know that that's a strong 
thing to say, but um, I don't know any way to not. To, to, I don't know any way to say that like in a seeker-sensitive way. You know, uh, there. This is exactly what Paul is saying in this entire chapter. Is what he said in the first chapter too. There is wisdom from above and there's wisdom from below. James says the wisdom from below is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Pretty strong language there. The wisdom from above is is the is the discernment, is the view of the Lord that strikes the soul in his own light and divides things that are that are different. And and I'll get to that a little bit more in a minute. But I just wanted to make sure that everybody. I don't know. I don't know a lot of you. I don't know some of you at least. Um, there is an eye that can see the Bible and read its words, and that eye, <clears throat> the spiritual realities behind the Bible are shut, are closed, forever locked and sealed. It is to, to that eye. And then there's another eye that sees through the words to the spiritual life and truth and living reality behind behind the, uh, the words. And to that eye... Light comes in and shows, and you see in in one second of of that light, you see more truth than in a thousand years of studying the Bible. You see more living reality than you than you can than than memorizing the entire Bible would ever do for you. The Bible is words. It's true words. They're given by the Spirit of God, but they are pointing to something. They are a testimony. And it is not doing the Scripture. It is not. It is not honoring the Scripture to put them out of their place. People are always talking about wanting to honor the Scripture, and I believe that all sixty-six books are directly from the Spirit of God. Nevertheless, it's not honor. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be honoring to John the Baptist to call him the true light that came into the world. He was not the light. He testified of the light, and and, and he he spoke he, he spoke of the light and pointed to the light. And he, and yet, he, if you would have tried to make him the light, which his disciples kind of did, he would say, "No, no, 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 no. You got, you guys, look, you got, you got, you have to understand something. Man can receive nothing. This is John chapter three. Man can receive nothing unless it is given to him from above. And I'm not the one that came from above. He who came from above is above all. I'm from below, just like you know, just like you. And he goes on and gives them that that explanation." But there is a, there is one that comes from above, and 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 I testify of him, and and that's what the scriptures do too. They testify of a living king, a living life, a a, a, a nature, a person, a king. I mean, they they testify of him, and yet the 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 faculties of the natural man can get can get its greedy little hands all over that testimony and do all kinds of disgusting things with it and and uh and, and that's what it ha- that's what it always does when it uses its own uh, faculties let me just say it to you if if you haven't faced it yet maybe turn your heart to the lord and try to face this your natural mind cannot understand one single thing in scripture your natural eye cannot see any spiritual reality 
at all, ever. Your natural ears, even if God spoke audibly to your natural ears, you would not know spiritual reality. Unless the thing he spoke was revealed by his own light in your heart. Words that go into your ears, even from angels, even from the mouth of Jesus Christ. Listen, there was a lot of people that heard God's words. Jesus said, I only speak what the Father is saying. You know, a lot of people heard those words and said, here is a demonized Samaritan. Even God's words spoken to your ears fall on a carnal and dark heart and, 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 and don't bear fruit unless the light of life shines within and brings in a true apprehension and appreciation and awareness and a revealing of the light of life. And so beware of that. So, okay, I, I, that wasn't, I haven't started my notes yet, but uh, that was just kind of what a general, I don't know what that was. That was just like an overview of, of the first couple chapters of 1 Corinthians, I guess. It's all about the wisdom from the Lord and the wisdom of man. How the one is something and how the other is nothing. And worse than nothing. And I can't say enough about it. I just, I, I just, I just bump into it in myself and in others constantly, all the time. You're, I just want to say to everybody, stop, wait, stop, stop thinking. Stop. No, don't do that. Don't, don't read that. Don't, you know, I don't know. that. Unless you come to him like a little child and are, and are willing to be small and totally blind and completely ignorant and foolish You'll never, ever, ever see it. You won't see it. You'll never, ever. Mr. Christian for 50 years who is a scholar and taught Bible classes and children's church and you'll never see the kingdom of God unless you see it in the light that shines out from it. Ever. Not even a glimpse all your effort is meaningless. Your effort is part of the problem unless it comes out from him. So maybe I said it's strong enough now. I don't know. Let me read these five verses here. I'm going to read uh, verses 6 through 10. He says, however, this is chapter 2, 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Just a little pause there. Coming to nothing. Zero. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, <clears throat> which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. I'm not going to get through all this today. I just kind of just kind of wanted to read all that. I, I want to he says here, we speak wisdom not not according to the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age. We speak wisdom, the wisdom of God in a mystery. What's a mystery? Let's look at let's um 
Let's just talk about that that a little bit. What's a mystery? Well, a mystery. The the word mystery is used. I mean, I, I know, like in in, in natural, uh, in like mystery stories or Scooby Doo, the Mystery Mobile. Uh, <laughs> they that um, you know. I think the, the mystery is kind of something. It's kind of spooky and I don't know, secret. And I, I'm trying to think what is what is a mystery. It's like something you have to follow the clues and. What what uh, what the Bible uses the word mystery? The way the Bible uses the word mystery is something that is simply completely out of reach for the natural mind. It's it's hidden and unknown, but it's hidden and, and unknown to a very specific man, and it's not hidden and unknown to another. It's hidden and known because man has no ability to to know it. Or to access it, or to reach it. It's not. It's not a mystery because it hasn't been figured out yet. That's not why it's. You know, it's not a mystery because you haven't studied long enough. It's not a mystery. I'm trying to think of different ways that man talks about mysteries, but it's. It's only a mystery in the sense that it is hidden from one eye and revealed to another. That's what that's what we just read here. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard, nor is it entered the heart of man, the things which God has prepared to the, for those who love him, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. So there there's a nice definition of a mystery and 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 as many of you know, if you go to funerals, they usually stop reading in verse 9. It says eye is not seen. I've heard this at funerals many times. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard, nor is it entered the heart of man, the things which God has prepared, but this person who just died is going to, you know, he's he's finally going to be enjoying them. That's not at all what Paul's saying here. He's not saying that those things are out of reach for people who are living in natural bodies. He's he's saying they're out of reach for the natural man and revealed and are. But God has. There's a contrast there in verse ten. But He has revealed them to us through His Spirit. And so a mystery is not a matter of study. It's not a matter of good teaching and good reading and good pastors and good books. That's not how you come to understand a mystery. It's a matter of one thing and one thing only. It's a matter of the Father revealing the Son. Or it's a matter of the Spirit of God opening up to the eye of faith things that man cannot access period ever ever and 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 revelation the revealing that comes by the spirit and, and if that's not again i don't know all my audience here if the word revealing sounds like a real mystical strange word only for super, super christians or something that that take delete that out of your mind that's not that's not true revealing is how every single christian is supposed to is the only way that every single Christian can know anything that is spiritually real, and, and it, all revealing is is what I just said. It's just it, it doesn't it doesn't involve an angel or an audible voice. In fact, that's a much less lesser kind of revealing. Anything that goes into natural ears is seen with natural eyes and has to be interpreted with a natural mind and applied with a natural mind is a far lesser kind of revealing than the kind of revealing that God wants to do in you. You could sit down and talk with an angel for seven weeks and still know nothing because 
everything, just like you could sit down with the Bible and read it for seven weeks and still know nothing, except for words, true words. But because everything that is said, even if you know it was the angel Gabriel, he might be able to reveal to you something that's going to happen in the future, and then you know what's going to happen in the future. But when it comes to the soul, actually knowing spirit, knowing and living and abiding in, experiencing, expressing spiritual reality, um, that, that's only by the light of life shining in your heart, giving you the, the, the access into that living power or living grace. By faith, Romans 5, 2, by faith, by, by the light of Christ, working in the heart, we access this grace in which we stand. Conversing with an angel might be able to reveal to you natural events. You know, the Medo-Persian Empire is about to take over the Babylonian Empire, and then it's going to be followed by the Greek Empire, and then the Roman Empire, and then the Messiah is going to come. Well, that, that's, that's what Gabriel can tell you. He cannot be the light of Jesus Christ shining in your heart to cause you to walk in uh, spiritual life and truth, to, to walk above the sea, to walk in, in Him. He can't do that. And so every bit, of tr- every bit of true spiritual learning is by the Spirit of God Himself shining out from the very life that He's given you. He shines in you. He appears where he is. Do you see? He doesn't appear where he's not. He's in you. If, you, if, if you've received his life, if you've received his seed, then he's in you. And then, then the appearing of the Lord is where the appearing of the Lord was in the old covenant, in types and shadows. Where was the appearing of the Lord? It was in the tabernacle. It was in the temple. He appeared in the midst, in the midst of his people. And that's where he appears now. And so... Again, I just want to say this. This should be uh, the the reveal, the spirit given teaching uh, that happens in light, in in inward light, which is what is light. Light is what, what what's light in the natural realm. Light is awareness of what's there. Light is the beholding of what is. It's a it's a Light answers debates. You know, you, you, you get a bunch of people in a pitch dark basement, and they're all arguing about what color the carpet is, and it's a it's a debate that goes on for fifty three years, and then light ends. Light ends the debate. It shows you what you have never seen and have argued about your whole life. Light does that, and you can memorize words, and you can memorize concepts, and you can teach at Princeton Seminary. For 54 years, and 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 you can know no more than a a fetus in a womb about spiritual reality without that light. Again, the mystery, the things that are mis- that God says are mysteries, they're not mysteries because they're hard to figure out, or because they're strange, and you need to follow all the clues and. You know, and that's how some people read the Bible. You know, oh, I read this and that led me to this. And then I figured out, well, maybe it's this. And then I saw, you know, then I saw this on, I don't know, the Bible code. And then I followed that to this. And now I think that it's this. And everyone, and then that's, that's, you know, some people are like that with the Bible. Well, you're missing the point. 
the mysteries of God are mysteries because they are spiritual. That is to say, they are of a different realm, seen by a different mind, a different access by a different nature, character. They are of a different, completely different, I don't know another word, kind, than what the natural mind understands. Let me read you a verse here. Matthew, oh no, Mark 4.11. Jesus said to them, to you, speaking to his disciples, right? To you, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are on the outside, all things come in parables. Now, what is, now what's that? What's he saying there? Well, he's saying something really, really smart. <laughs> Obviously. But he's saying that, look, parables are the only way to address natural minds. All you can do is describe things in words that testify and point. They point to something, somewhere, where the testimony is made real, where the testimony becomes living and alive in you. On the, on the outside, all you can do is point. That's all. See, the, the heart that is turned to the Lord will follow that parable to the thing, to the substance, to the life, to the kingdom, where that, where that testimony becomes a living reality. But... You have to be in the realm, in the light, in the kingdom where those things are revealed in order to see them. So for those who are on the outside of the kingdom, of the light, of the life, then there's only one way. It's like Jesus saying to Nicodemus, look, I've talked, I'm, I'm using earthly words here. You wouldn't understand anything if I, if I told you of heavenly things. The, net, the, the earthly words point you, testify to the heavenly things. Let's try this one, Nicodemus. Wind. You've seen wind, right? Wind blows, it moves. You can't see what it is, but you can tell it's there. And he starts, he's, he's using parables. He's using figures. He's using symbols of natural things. Parables are invitations into a mystery. But studying them doesn't open them up. You know what? Go ahead and study the parables. And you'll find, you know, get, get all the books in the world on the parables and read them all. You'll find, first of all, that all of them are different. They all have different meanings and interpretations and, and everyone's got a different take. Second of all, you won't understand anything more than when you started reading all those books because they're invitations into something that is hidden from that mind. The natural realm, the natural words, natural stories, they contain testimonies, they contain arrows that point that point uh, in into something, but you have to be in in that something. Do you see that's what Jesus is saying? You have to be you have to be you can't just study them with your mind and apply them to your life. That's the last thing you're supposed to do. You're supposed to fall on your face and say, what in the world are you talking about? And then it begins to open up to your heart. You have to be born into the realm where the parable came out from. Can you hear what I'm saying? You have to actually be living in that life and in that... See, the parable didn't just come out of nowhere. It, 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 it came from a man who was in the bosom of the Father's 
thinking to himself, how can I try to invite people into what I'm in and where I am? How can I describe the way? How can I describe the path? How can I describe the... The, 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 the way into the... Here, here it's, it's kind of like this. You know what? It's kind of like that. Here, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to this. The kingdom of God is, can be likened unto this. And, that, and that's what he does. Here, let me read another one here. It's very similar. Matthew 13, uh, 10. And the disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered and said to them, Because... It has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Did you get it? Did you see the reason? That's the reason. It doesn't sound like a reason. Why? <laughs> Here's why I speak in parables. Because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, and they do not understand. And, 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 and I can picture the, the, the disciples is gone. That's not really an answer to my question. You know, It doesn't sound like an answer, except when you begin to realize that that's exactly why he's... That, that's what Jesus was doing with everything that he said. Here's why I speak to them in parables. Because with that eye, they can't see. And because with that ear, they can't hear. And because with that mind, they can't understand. That's what he's saying here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has ever... It's never entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But the Spirit of God has revealed him. I've revealed them. So parables are... are they're, they're, and not just parables, the whole, the whole Bible. It, 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 types and shadows, figures, promises, uh, prophecies, the language, like words, just words in general. Words aren't truth. Words testify of truth. Truth is a living person that you, that your soul becomes united to and then you experience him. All the words, see, we worship the words because we don't know the substance. We, we, we really do. We truly do. We worship the words because we know that they're true. And sometimes maybe maybe there's there's been a flicker of light in our heart when we've read those words, and something has warmed our soul, and we we actually experience something of that living truth, but we don't really understand, we don't discern, we don't have wisdom, which is what I might talk about if I have time. We don't have the discerning, the judgment, <clears throat> and and so we don't know that it wasn't really the words that warmed our heart and showed us something real. It was the thing that it was the words pointed our hearts to, and because we had a soft heart because we followed the invitation because we turned and followed where the parable was pointing well then then we 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 saw something beyond the words and then and then we we understood not with the mind of man but with the soft heart into which the light shines and leads you leads the heart past the parable past the symbol past the prophecy to the living substance and, and, and because we're so unfamiliar with that living substance, <clears throat> we worship the words. Jesus says to the Pharisees, look guys, here, here's your main problem. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that in them is the life. But I'm the life and you won't follow the words to me. You won't come to me to have the life. You just love 
reading that book and applying it to yourself and making your own righteousness out of it and making your own uh, wisdom out of it and making your own glory out of it. And you, you actually think it's coming to you out of the book, but see, all the book talks about me and you won't come to me to find where it is. That is a serious problem. It's shut off to that. See, that's the whole thing. It's shut out. You, it's not to those who are on the outside. The parables, they don't do anything to those who are on the outside. They just stand there as, as, um, as invitations for hungry hearts. That's what they do. They stand there as curious invitations. And that's what they will be this year. And they'll still be that next year. And they'll still be that in 10 years. And they'll be that on your deathbed if you don't humble your heart again. Be small. Be foolish. Be the dumbest person you know all the time for the rest of your life. And these parables will open up, not to the mind, not to that wise and learned mind, or even that dumb and uneducated mind. That's not the mind to which the the, the, the parables will open up. They will open up to the heart where the light of God is shed abroad. You see, in the brightness of his appearing, that substance will say, come on in and live here and, and see here and walk here and love here. You see, that's what happens. That's, what, that's how the heart of God knows a mystery. Because seeing with that eye, you won't see. And hearing with that ear, you're never going to hear. And, and with that mind, you're never going to understand. And you can, you can bang on that door. And I know people that do it year after year after year. I just, I feel like I know it's true. I just don't see it. I just can't feel. I just don't know. I can't walk. Year after year after year. Same conversation. Same emails. Over and over. I can't. I don't. Be a fool. Friends. Be small. Lay low, turn and wait in the, in, the, in the souls gazing at the Lord like a little child. And it will open up to you. The way is near. It's a small door that opens up. And yet it's plenty big for you to pass through it. In Him. But, but your, your, your mind, your wisdom, your understanding is way too big to fit through that door. Your head's way too big. You'll never get through it. It's easier for a camel to go through the, uh, the eye of a needle. All right. Paul speaks of, uh, in Romans 16 here. He says, The revelation of the mystery kept since the world began. Kept, it's, 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 I'm sorry, kept secret since the world began. Why kept secret? Again, not really because God was shutting... His, not really because God was keeping his mouth shut about it. He's been testifying of this mystery from the very beginning. In fact, all of creation, declare, the very natural creation declares this mystery. Why is it kept hidden? Because, not because God's mouth was shut, but because God himself was shut. The way to the tree of life was shut. Until Christ, until the cross, there was not a way in. There wasn't a door opened, a blood-covered door. There wasn't a way. The way was guarded to the tree of life. The way was shut up to man. And, and so the, the, the reason, it's not like God said, okay, now I'm going to tell you. It's not, that's not what it was. It's, it, he said, now I'm going to let you in to where light shines, to where life is experienced, to where the parables all point. Now I'm going to let you in. So 
the mystery was kept hidden, it was kept secret from before the world began because there was nobody dwelling in the substance where where it was where it's revealed. Does that make sense? And 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 so a lot of the scriptures, most of the scriptures that have to do with um, uh, with the mystery have have to have or speak of the mystery in this way that it was hidden. Uh, hidden in types and shadows, hidden in testimonies and prophecies and promises, now revealed by the Spirit. Almost all, if you read, the, if you do just a, a word search on the word mystery in the New Testament, um, it, it'll talk about them, them being hidden before and, and revealed now. But um, And yet, let me just say this too. It's not revealed now just because we live after Christ. It's not like they were hidden in B.C. and they're revealed in A.D. No, they're still hidden to that man. They're they're still, I mean, they should be unveiled and being unveiled in us, but not because we live in 2000 A.D., but because we live in the light where... That, that God has, has opened up and offered to us. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? It's not, yeah, they were hidden back. In, that's how people talk about it. Yeah, this was hidden in the Old Testament, but now in the, New, in the New Testament, it's all revealed. No, it's completely still hidden to you if you think that just by reading the New Testament, you got it. You're 100% on the outside still. That's not, that's not, it's not, you know, it's not about a timeline. It's not about, um, Living in the right time period, you know we're in the, uh, the the dispensation of the revealed mystery. No, you're not. If you're not walking in the light as He is in the light, unless your the eyes of your heart are being opened, and and unless the Father, no one knows the Father unless the Son reveals Him. No one knows the Son unless the Father reveals Nobody, the Spirit of God, He will come to you and He will show you all things. He will guide you into all truth. He will take of mine and show it unto you. But unless the Spirit of God does that, it doesn't matter if you're born 15,000 years after Christ. It doesn't matter if Paul came back from the dead and wrote a whole bunch more epistles or if John wrote another revelation. that, That wouldn't help you. The mystery is revealed in the substance, in the living person. And so, anyway, I was saying that most scriptures um, point to um, just just the fact that, you know, when Paul's talking about, like for instance in Ephesians chapter 5, the Adam and, and Eve was a this is a great mystery, he says, but that's always been pointing to Christ and the church, you know, that that's now been revealed by the Spirit. Well, but some scriptures um, use the word use the word mystery to refer not just to the fact that uh, not just to describe something that was hidden and is now revealed by the Spirit, but to re, to, to refer to the nature or character of something. Uh, I don't know if I've said that very clearly. Like pointing out that it is it is something spiritual. Like for instance. Um, like, like when Paul talks about, uh, let's see, I have a couple of verses here. The mystery of lawlessness. 
that what is the mystery of lawlessness? Well, it's 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 something that you wouldn't. It's not a lawlessness that you would recognize with the natural mind. It's something hidden. It's something secret. It's spiritual. Is basically what he's saying. It's a it's a lawlessness that man doesn't recognize. Man doesn't see, and if you don't see it by his spirit, then you're not seeing it, and it's probably working in you. You know, so it, it, that word is also, or, or uh, even in, in the scripture from First Corinthians chapter two, the mystery. We speak knowledge in a mystery. It's a kind. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Sometimes the word mystery is describing the kind of something. It's spiritual. It's it's not known by man. It's not. It's hidden to that to that man. And so, or uh, another place he says, holding the mystery of faith with a pure conscience. Faith is also a mystery in its kind. Uh, what I mean by that is that there's a kind of faith that's not a mystery. It's just man's belief. Most people have only that kind of faith. They have a kind of faith that the natural mind um, just believe believe something and then you you know you say that I have faith. Do you believe in Jesus? Yeah. Do you believe in the Bible? Yeah. Oh, you have great faith. Well, you don't have the faith that's a mystery that's held in a pure conscience. That there's a kind of faith that is spiritual and you don't really understand it until it begins to shine in your heart. There's a there's a kind of faith that is it's not just mysterious, it's a, it's, it's a mystery, it's hidden. It's hidden from the natural mind. And then when it begins to work in you, you understand, by faith, Moses went out seeing him who was unseen. Because that's what faith does. That's, you understand that faith is, by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. That things which are seen were not made by things which are visible. Hebrews 11.3. Or you understand that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. That Those scriptures start to come uh, alive and become real by the faith that is a mystery held in a pure conscience. Well, um, another one. Revelation says that there's this thing called Mystery Babylon the Great. Mystery Babylon. It's not. It's not the Babylon that Israel could experience with natural minds, and, and you know what I mean. It wasn't the. It's not a, an actual city. It's not a. It's not a physical city. It's it's a it's a it's spiritual. There's a mystery Babylon that's the mother of harlots and abominations. Is, is the way he, is the way it's described. And and, and you're never going to discern that Babylon with uh, without spiritual light, shining in eyes that have been opened inward eyes that have been opened by the Spirit. In fact, again, if you don't discern that mystery Babylon, you might just be part of it. Uh, you might just be, maybe you're trying to find your way out of it, but until the light shines in your heart, that mystery Babylon is hidden. You don't know that you're wandering the streets of Babylon. You don't know that that's the whole point of everything that's been written there in, the, in, in Revelation was that, that, you know, the mystery of Babylon, it was this big painted city that, that deceived everybody. I mean, people didn't know that they were serving the harlot and, and committing abominations. That's, that's what, that was only discernible in the light. Um, okay, um, let, me, let me just say, in the, in the few minutes we have left here, let me just say a couple things about wisdom. Because he says that we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, and I've mostly been talking about... That word, uh, mystery, <clears throat> wisdom. 
I th- you know, wisdom is kind of used, it's a word that, that's used kind of broadly, both in, uh, uh, mo- in, in our normal vernacular, it's used pretty broadly. In the scripture, too, it, it seems to be used a little, not, not exactly, not always the same uh, in the same context. Sometimes it speaks of, you know, like God gave, what's that guy's name, uh, that made the tabernacle... No, the the guys that actually oh. were the he filled them with the spirit of wisdom to make all kinds of crafts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> someone's got another name. It's you know Shalayabub or something. It's something like that. Um, but he, he was filled with the spirit of wisdom and all kinds of like crafts, whatever. But it seems to me that usually the word wisdom uh, has to do with. Uh, discerning or judgment, specifically um, judging between things that are not naturally judged or discerned or, or discernible. Um, m- most people, I think you could say, most people don't live in wisdom simply because they they cannot discern between things that are very different but that appear similar. Um, they... they they see things that are, um, in, in, the, in the wisdom of the Lord, things that are completely different and opposite each other, but man can't tell them apart, if, if that makes sense. Uh, because man lacks wisdom. For instance, the righteousness of man and the righteousness of God. They're, they're, they're worlds apart. One's filthy rags, and one is the beauty of holiness. And, and man can't tell them apart. Man has no wisdom to discern the difference. Or works of the flesh and works of the spirit. They often look exactly the same outwardly. Two people, one of them motivated by the actual life and nature of God can do something outwardly. And, and another person motivated by insecurity, fear, or, and pride could do the exact same thing outwardly. And man says, boy, they're both the same. They're, exact, they're exactly the same. And, and God says, oh my goodness, there's, they're, they're opposite worlds, opposite natures. One's from below, one's from above, one's from Satan, one's from my son. Man has no wisdom to, to discern between two things that are, are completely different or, uh, and, and yet, and yet they look, they look the same to man. Or maybe you could say the teaching of true things versus the teaching of truth. You know, someone that hasn't seen the person who is truth goes to hear some some person, you know, preach. And 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 if that person has not seen the person of truth, they walk away saying, man, that was a really good sermon. That was amazing. Someone that has seen and experienced the living truth in the soul walks away from the very same sermon depressed with their head hung low, thinking that was the most heavy horrible thing I've ever heard. Not, and not even because it was false necessarily. Not, not even because the words were false, but because they came from a false place and, and aimed at a false man. And it's hard to, you don't, without wisdom, you can't discern those things. Or um, the church, there's so many, we could give a million examples of this stuff. And that's an exaggeration, but we could give a lot of examples of this stuff. The church, there's a, there's a church 
of man's building and there's a church of God's building. And the wisdom, in fact, the wisdom of man has this one opposite. It's not that you can't tell it apart. The, the wisdom of man can see that there's a difference, but it calls the wrong one the church of God and it calls the right one the, the wrong church. You know what I'm saying? It's so confused because there's no discernment. There's no ability to, there's no wisdom. There's no wisdom to discern between things that are that are different. And to understand the difference, you have to see with God's view. You have to see with uh, God's... See, God has a very specific view of that difference. And that has... An, that if you, if you want to know what the wisdom of God is, well, then you have to go back a chapter. Because he, Paul says, it is Christ crucified. The the wisdom. Do you see what? Do you, I hope you can see what I'm saying here, or what Paul's saying. The wisdom of God is Christ crucified. Why? Because that is the perfect division. It's the perfect um, cleaving, cutting, dividing between two things that are totally different. It, it you know, it, it's. It's a cutting in half. It's like Sol- you know, Solomon was a man who reigned in wisdom. What was that wisdom like? Well, two women were fighting over a baby. And, and, and uh, Solomon said, uh, let's cut the baby in half. And, and by saying that, he made a division between two things that, that you couldn't discern. Who, who, what, the, one was the true mother. One had... had birthed this child and was the same blood and the same but you can't you couldn't tell the other one was this mean lady that killed her baby accidentally and was trying to steal the other one very very different how could you how could you see the difference Solomon brought out a sword Solomon brought out a division he made the thing plain he made a clear division that's that's the that's a type and shadow Christ actually comes and his cross is this incredible putting away dividing separating of one thing and 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 an establishing of something else that's to, he he rejected he he cut between separated made a differentiation between two things and as Christ is revealed in you then that the, these two very different things these two very different these things that are worlds apart, Adam and Christ, flesh and spirit, old and new, above and below, these things that, that have nothing in common, except possibly that one is the shadow of the other. There's this cutting that happens in you, and you begin to have a little bit of wisdom. Why? Because God taught you a lesson? No. Because you studied the life of Solomon? No. Because you're seeing a division between two things that are very different. Can you understand that? The cross is how God sees. The cross, it's it's like this division that he sees with or like he has uh it's like if you i don't know i I picture this guy wearing these glasses and there's like a board between the or you know those horses they don't they wear something that oh the blinders on the outside yeah that ruins it i thought the blinders were on the inside so they could only see out but maybe okay that wasn't good but uh yeah there's it's like you you see you see only there's a clear division. I don't know. Maybe there's not a great analogy. The horse thing fell short, but th- there's a there's a 
there's a seeing of thing, and then there's this division in the, in the middle, and the two sides don't look any. One is below, and one is above. One is one. You know, it's like Jesus says. Here's a here's a great. Jesus says the things which are highly esteemed in the mind of man are abominations in the mind of God. You know, that's always it's such a shocking scripture to me. I, I, I always, whenever I read over it, I just pause there and think, Oh, Lord, how can you tell the difference? What's the difference between how, what, here's the difference. Wisdom. What is wisdom? Well, it's, it's Christ crucified. It's, it's one side rejected and one side raised up out of the dead of a totally different nature. It's, it's hidden, but it's revealed. You see, it's hidden from the natural man. The natural man looks at the actual cross itself and says, that's foolishness. The natural man hears the preaching of the cross and says, that's foolishness. The natural man hears one of you guys who are seeing the cross of Christ in your heart, dividing things, and you start to speak to them. You start to speak the things you've seen, and someone says, that's foolishness. There's no difference between this and that. There's no, there's no real discerning between that. All things are equal. All paths go to the same place. All religions, whatever. They can't discern. There's no cutting. There's no dividing between those two things. And that's what the that's what the wisdom of God does in you. It brings this ever increasing. How do you grow in wisdom? You grow in the reality of Christ crucified. How do you how do you discern more? You you because this that that cutting of the cross makes two things that are opposite feel and see seems so totally different in your heart. Suddenly the, the guy that you listened to uh, preaching and you thought he was great before light dawned in your heart, so you, you can't go back and listen to that guy, you know, or, or gal. S- suddenly the book, your favorite Christian book, and, and, then, and then light shines in your heart and wisdom appears, the man of wisdom, the person of wisdom, and suddenly that book just seems like fluff. It seems like carnal fluff to you, and, and you know, you put it on eBay. And, or the relationship that was built in 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 Christian religion that that you know you best friends prayer partners and whatever with this person and all of a sudden you can't even light dawns in your heart and it shines and you can't it's hard for you to listen to that person talk about the lord it's easier to talk about um food or or whatever because when they talk about the Lord, the thing that they're describing and praising is something that the wisdom of God has cut off from your heart and made it seem like a dead and worthless thing. Some of you know what I'm talking about. There, there's, there's a division. Wisdom works in the heart. And it's a wisdom that is a mystery. And I guess that's really all the time we're going to have. We're out of time. Passed out of time. So...